All right, well, let's roll into it. Afternoon, everybody. This is Hunting with J-Bone, episode four, I believe, or maybe five, I actually can't remember. But we have our first two guests. We have Luke Donnan. That's how you say it, right? Yep. And Martin... Swinsard. Swinsard. Sorry about that. I didn't forget your, li- or forgot your last yeah. name. Uh, I met these guys on Instagram. Well, actually, I met you guys a little bit before that. Trailhead. But, yeah, at the trailhead. Luke, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, my name's Luke. Uh, I've been a hunter for, I don't know, eight years at minimum. Been a shooter since I could pull a trigger. And, yeah, just uh, local to outside of Edmonton. So wait, how old are you again, sorry? I'm 30. 30, okay, so 22 when you started hunting? Yeah. Do you, did you like kind of teach yourself or? Yep, uh, completely self-taught. When I was in university, I, uh, well, I would put myself through and I was a bit hungry because uh, meat was a little <laughs> bit expensive. I was used to kind of, you know, potentially having some steaks and whatnot. And, uh, well, had my firearms license, had my, um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, What's it called? Hunter education. Hunter education. There it is. I'm stumbling on it right now. Um, <laughs> have my hunter education already. Just to, you know, I took it through uh, through high school, um, and I well came out to the farm. Got a little bit of advice from my grandpa. Read every book that I could. Watched every uh, TV show <laughs> about hunting that I could. Although. You know how real those YouTube are. didn't <laughs> exist back then, really. Right? Uh, it was in its infancy. Just not like now, though. You can yeah. go on YouTube now and you can watch for hours and oh, hours yeah. about hunting. Yeah. So yeah, I, I talked with as many people as I could for hunting and just got into it. And once I started, uh, I fell in love with it and been hunting ever since. And, and then met Martin and he he introduced me to bighorn sheep hunting and. Hunting in the mountains and backpacking and uh, just fell in love with that even more. Yeah. Uh, All right, Martin, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, I uh, I was never really brought up hunting. I actually had a major aversion to wild meat for maybe one bad experience. I uh, was given moose one time at a dinner party and it might as well have grabbed that piece of straw bale over there, soaked it in some water, and put it on a plate. <laughs> That's what it tasted like to me. It was just the gravy was tasted like bad. It was like, and that was my one taste, and I'm like, I am off wild meat. I, I remember you saying moose you would never try, right. so, and that it just tasted like dirty swamp ass. So how I kind of got into, like, hunting, like, I was, sh- I was shooting since I was young, 22, out at the farm going out plinking things shooting gophers right um but uh i was going up to the mountains all the time and uh, a couple of people that i know were into sheep hunting and i I met them up there and we talked about it lots and i kind of fell in love with the lore of sheep hunting the the effort and the stories never actually purchased a license never actually pulled the trigger but i would go scouting i would go on the mission with them and just absolutely fell in love with the, the hard work and the mountains and being on top of the mountains and ridge walking and hunting and stalking and glassing. And it just hooked me, right? Even though I wasn't hunting for it. I mean, I've been on a couple, uh, one successful sheep hunt uh, with, with them where they, where they shot a ewe and the other one on a sheep that we could have shot, but he chose not to. So, and uh, yeah, so I've been doing it 
like that, st walking around glassing sheep for 20 years. I'm 50 years old now. Okay. Yeah. So, so when you were 30. So again, you're an adult hunter too? Yeah. Or, yeah. And self-taught. Well, not necessarily self-taught. No, but. they showed me a lot of the, the, the tricks of the trade and they promised to never share them with anybody. They got me down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't show anybody your hunting spots. Yeah. Anything or, or, like that. or your secrets. Yeah. Right? Cause, and, and sheep hunters are famously deceptive. Yeah. Right? I can see they that. will lead you in the wrong direction. So if any sheep hunter says, oh, there's sheep over there, don't believe them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next basin, there's plenty. Yeah. No, that's funny. All right. So you guys have both been, uh, or both, not new, fairly seasoned hunters. And you guys had a pretty good year last year, right? 2020? Yeah. Last two. Last yeah. two years. Yeah. I've been really, really getting getting good and kind of dialing it in i want to i know you told me briefly but i want to hear more about your elk hunt you guys had a double you guys both shot elk this year this past year two years running we've shot elk within about two minutes of each other holy crap at the same time <laughs> so it's like a simul like pulling the trigger together 11 o'clock oh okay yeah, same time like of day uh, gotcha. 11 o'clock and then this year was 11.05 yeah bright and early when you see a herd and you have a cow tag yeah it's, it's pretty easy just get within range. Yeah. And pick the ones that uh, don't have ones behind them. Pretty <laughs> difficult. Yeah. So, so how did you guys find like your hunting spot? Like just through scouting, or like you got like a tip off, or like was it e-scouting? Like with iHunter, like what kind of brought you to that area? So that would be me. I'm three years running in this area, um, and that's actually uh, one of my friends. Uh, I worked with her. Um, she actually has her, her Métis status and she's brought up, been brought up hunting for years and years with her family and, um, fantastic woman. And she, uh, she ended up showing me this area. Okay. Um, took me there. Uh, that's, uh, you know, I guess three seasons ago, uh, where she helped me harvest my first one. Um, and after that, once she actually moved away, um, I asked her whether or not, uh, I could continue hunting in that spot just cause... You, do, you don't want to just steal someone's hunting spot, come there with someone else, right? Um, especially if they showed you it and they've found where they, you know, they bed, they... The honey um, hole. The, yeah, yeah, that's like the, the hunter's etiquette. You take somebody yeah. to your spot, you kind of... Um, you, you expect them not to then show show everyone, right? For sure. Um, so for that, uh, you know, uh, I got basically almost grandfathered it because she's she's like, oh, okay, you can, you can go there, you know, she knows that I'm not about to just spread it out. Um, cause it's a small little herd that is in this one spot that's, uh, and it's in this spot basically in the second week of November. After that, <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. Um, so, so far it's been three years running, but, uh, yeah, for that, that I, I got lucky with just knowing someone who then was willing to share the spot and then eventually moved away. Okay. And was there, like, how did the story like go to it with like, was there like a grand, like you guys crawled in at the crack of dawn and you called them in there was bulls bugling everywhere or was it kind of more just like you showed up it was pretty lucky no which um, one yeah well either did you guys <laughs> the yeah. second the, the, like this like they've always been arduous yeah right? what do you mean by arduous like a hell of a ton of work yeah Especially yeah. you got two on the ground and there's two guys and you got to backpack it out to the truck well i feel like that's when, when the work really does start is once you get them on the ground yeah no, that's funny. So, I mean, you're you were just her, and she wasn't able to help you. No, because uh, she had a back. She has a back issue. Oh, okay. Um, and she actually, I think, had. 
she can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I think it was like three herniated discs and whatnot, and like one was out. So she was actually walking with a cane uh, when she. We had actually passed by this spot before, and we were actually um, switching spots because we didn't see anything. Because we spent all morning glassing, moving 20 feet, glassing, moving 20 feet um, along a, a, I don't know, kind of an okay trail. Yeah. Um, but it just, it overlooks like just some mean fucking bush. Yeah. Um, like way down in a valley. And it was. Uh, it was just luck. We were actually walking back. We weren't even glassing. And she just looked back kind of down and kept walking and then, like, stopped. And I, I kept on going thinking, you know, we were – because we were just chatting. Um, we thought, no, oh, there's nothing there. And then she, I, I look back. She's got her binoculars up. All right, I get mine. Just that one little angle where she just kind of, like, just turned her head. And there it was, 300 yards down, lying down broadside. Jeez. Looking at us. <laughs> Like, it could see us, and, like, we had already passed by that point. Turns out there was a herd, like, that was way down in there that you could you could only, like, you know, catch glimpses of, right? Like, the, especially when the the bush is so thick and that kind of stuff. And they're bedded um, down. And they're bedded, yeah. they're not moving, right? They, oh, my gosh, it's surprising how well these, you know, Massive. 400, 500-pound animals, um, like, they just blend in, right? They're... They're a whole different color than you think, like, uh, they would, you know, against all the trees and whatnot with this cream-colored rump. And, but, yeah, when they're quiet and they're still, you can't really find them. It's hard. Yeah, you'll walk right past them. Yeah. And you did a great shot, too. Yeah, that one, that one actually was 300 yards. Like, and with that 30-06, that's why, like, when we were shooting out here, I'm like, okay, it's still on for 300. <laughs> all right. Right in the boiler room or what? Right in the boiler room. And then I actually, I did a follow-up shot. Um, and that one actually I rushed just cause I thought I missed Yeah. because she didn't react. <laughs> and, uh, that second shot I actually rushed and it only clipped the bottom of, uh, of her, her belly, right? And that right into the dirt and she just rolled. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh. And it actually, it went uh, right behind her shoulder, <laughs> um, through both lungs, clipped the top of the heart and then out the other side at 300 yards. So 30-06 is, uh, still very effective <laughs> um you know it's not not the flavor of the month you know the way uh you know some of the new ones six five creedmoor prc um what is it now the 6.8 western and then my fire breather that i got you just wanted to transition into that eh? a little bit all right well tell us since you brought up the topic <laughs> luke actually he just got a new rifle he how did tell us the story about your new rifle well uh backcountry hunters and anglers of alberta um uh, they, they're doing raffles, like rifle raffles, to raise money for their um, conservation efforts. So they do like a bunch of like uh, cleanups um, and a bunch of other, um, like uh, they, they put money towards conservation projects. They have a lot of volunteers that do that. And well, I saw they were only selling, I think it was 200, and, was it 240 tickets for this uh, Weatherby Ultra Lightweight in uh, Six five three hundred Weatherby Magnum, uh, and I just thought, ah, sure, why not? I'll I'll do that. And so I, I actually bought two tickets because I was like, well, hundred bucks goes to you know, it'll help go towards conservation, right? Because like uh, I also, you know, uh, try and donate to other like conservation organizations just because they do a lot of good work. And it was kind of well, hey, I can potentially win something. Yeah, win-win situation. Yeah. 
and uh, I'm glad I bought two tickets because it was <laughs> the second one that won it. Sweet. Um, yeah, so I'm, I've fallen in love with that rifle, but holy smokes, is that a screamer. Yeah, we were actually just out. We're on uh, Luke's farm right now. We were just shooting this afternoon. It's a good time out there. That rifle does have some kick to it. Uh, so back to your elk. That was three years ago, you said. So that would have been five years into hunting. Yep. Uh, what were you hunting primarily before elk? Primarily just uh, white-tail deer and mule deer, and then well, bighorn sheep with uh, with Martin. Okay. So um, for me, it was just trying to, well, trying to find anything, just learn, because uh, a lot of it I started out, you know, back quarter section, you know, where we we don't have animals out there all the time. Um, it's really good rangeland and really good uh, area because we have a, a whole ton of um, old growth aspen forest up there um, that we've never even cleared uh, throughout the history of this farm so there's actually a lot of like good bedding areas for them a lot of cover and then also really good rangeland that they seem to really like so um, that's how I kind of got introduced to that is just on those um, and then I just slowly <coughs> branched out to you know trying to find other areas trying to go on crown land um, you know uh, in, you know, start the kind of I, I was always a backpacker so I kind of you know wanted to increase that aspect and then when uh, when Martin started talking about it I you know fell in love with that so for sure yeah um, I had never never hunted elk before that and yeah it was uh, I got the opportunity and fell in love with it so as a, a landowner or like a family of like a landowners does anybody ever ask to, for permission to hunt on your property or has yes. anyone ever um, but we actually find, unfortunately, that we deal with more trespassers than we do people who are asking. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's one thing. Um, my dad actually, he, he manufactures tree stands now and custom tree stands because it was one, one year we took eight tree stands out of that property just on the other side of that road. And that's, uh, that's our property as well. Yep. And eight tree stands. Holy. And those are just random people up. just putting random them up. Putting them up. We, no one asked, no one ever came and asked. So we took them down and my dad's a, a welder, owns a welding shop. And he's like, well, I can actually make, make these and do this. And so he found a couple of people that would, you know, wanted to buy some and have big orders. So he actually sends some up to Northern Alberta. And I think in BC, there's a guy that orders from him too. Um, okay. Just Cause they, they like getting a, a good deal and they can kind of talk to them about what they want they, for customizing tree stands. And he does even tree, tri, tripod tree stands. Is that something you can plug here on the podcast? Is, does he have like a company name or a brand name or anything like that? Or Nope. No, okay. No company name, no nothing, but... Uh, if, I guess if you're interested, you could always look up Luke on Instagram and contact him directly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true. Uh, right? uh, what is it? Uh, it's Luke underscore Donnan underscore 26. So if you are looking for a custom tree stand, contact me on Instagram and, um, well, we'll get you sorted. Sweet. All right, so on the, the landowner topic again then, like what would you recommend to somebody who, if they were to ask for permission, like is there something that would make you more likely to say yes or say no? Do it before season. Before season, yeah. Come knock on the door, you know. Um, don't be pushy. Mm -hmm. Don't expect it, right? Like uh, for us, like when we, you know, like right now this year, it's it's our, um, it's for bales, right? Like uh, if you come out here and drive your truck onto it and rut it all up right like um we're not gonna like that because then that, that cuts into our you know our actual area that we can actually harvest from because you'll you'll ruin some of the plants right like um you'll create ruts depending upon what you know um 
what it's like. But if you come, you talk, you ask, um, you're a lot more likely to. But considering I hunt out here, you're most likely not going to get it. <laughs> no, I figured as much. But I figured again, since this is for all the beginners out there, any little tips and tricks for, for getting permission, all that etiquette stuff again, like I guess just being friendly and all that. I, I've found too that a lot of landowners have a lot of friends yeah that they kind of just almost reserve the property for their friends or themselves right mm -hmm. and so that's you know they'll give it away to the people that they know and they trust and maybe the same guy's been coming back there for 10 years right brings them a bottle of whiskey yeah which yeah if you do <laughs> and you get permission be nice be polite and share then, some of the meat yeah like for sure. uh, um i had uh, a landowner um up north a bit uh, where I actually came back uh, later on and gave him some sausages and some steaks. Um, the guy that allows us to um, to camp on his land while we hunt elk, um, we bring him a bottle of whiskey. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Sweet. Uh, and you started bow hunting. When did you start bow hunting? Uh, I got my bow probably six years ago. Like. Uh, I, I wanted to increase my chances. That's when like I started expanding, right? For sure. I wanted to, well, I wanted a moose. I wanted more meat, right? Like, uh, cause I'm, I'm primarily a meat hunter and you have to wait in the draw, right? Like you gotta put in, you gotta build your priority and that, and a bull moose is on average in Alberta, it's different in every area, but I'd say on average about five year wait. Yeah, and unless you're a bull hunter. Unless you're a bow hunter. And then I got a bow, started learning, and then they actually changed the regulations for this zone. And they made it a draw tag. <laughs> so I actually kind of put down the bow for a couple of years. Um, but I just, I wanted to be able to increase the amount of time I could be in the field, the animals that I could get. So, you know, I've been practicing on and off and really trying to dial it in. Um, get my pins you know set stop punching the trigger um so i just i practiced for a number of years and kind of three years straight like i'd you know pick up the bow a couple times a month um go out i've got the you know target and uh yeah uh drew a um a moose cow tag and uh decided well since i drew mule deer elk uh, as well for later in the season and it had the archery component to it um that i'd you know actually go out and use my bow um so yeah it, it took me quite a while to actually feel confident in it yeah so it was uh, like five years almost you'd say yeah about five years um but uh that was the first time i actually went out bow hunting yeah i never actually brought it out to hunt before oh so you just, you just had the bow for six years and then you started hunting yeah. last year yeah because i just i didn't feel confident no for sure and you you were actually panicked about how you were going to fit in all the hunting. <laughs> too many tags in your pocket. Yeah, too many tags, too many draws that, you know, you don't want to give up on the draw, right? No, I don't. You got an elk draw, you got a mule deer draw, you got this moose draw, and you were actually freaking out. Like, that's why we didn't go sheep, one of the reasons we didn't go sheep hunting last year. Yeah. Is like, I can't fit in sheep hunting well, you know, and hold a job down. <laughs> yeah, you, you've got to be able to make money to, you know, pay rent, right? And Buy bullets. Let alone, like... You know whether or not they'll uh, they'll keep you on if you keep uh, keep taking time off to go hunting. No, I get that for sure. Well, why don't you tell us? You were telling me a little bit earlier about your your moose hunt, but uh, do you want to get into that again? Okay. 
Um, for that, uh, it's just, I guess, uh, the privilege of a landowner is you can know what animals are on your land generally. Um, okay, so this was on your property? It was on the back quarter. Gotcha. Uh, so about once a year, I'll, I'll take an animal out there, right? Like it's either a whitetail or I guess now moose. Um, so that's why I don't, I don't generally go shooting out there. Mm -hmm. uh, but out there, um, the old growth stand that I was talking to you about, um, we know that's one of their areas uh, that they bed because a lot of the time that I've hiked through or hunted through, uh, we've seen moose. Um, I do have like one trail cam out there that I um, I try and kind of keep running all year round just to kind of see what animals are in the area. Um, so I knew that there was, uh, I think, three cow moose that were just in the back quarter that kept going around. Two of them uh, had calves uh, a year ago, I think, or two years ago. Um, so if they had survived, I hadn't seen them on the trail cams for a while, that there was going to be a number out there. And so I actually uh, I actually didn't start hunting that day. Um, in the back quarter, I actually went around and looked at a bunch of different grazing leases um, and just did some glassing and spent time in the truck with Taya, uh, my fiance. And unfortunately, she wasn't feeling good. So I actually drove back home all the way back into Edmonton um, dropped her off and came back out with the bow and decided I'd go into the back quarter. Um, I just, uh, I, you know, uh, took my time working my way in there, glassing every 20 feet and just was as quiet as I could be right into the bedding areas. And I got to within 20 yards. I didn't even know she was there. <laughs> I actually didn't know she was there until she stood up and I like my heart just started racing, just going like, holy crap. Like this could actually happen, and she stood there, just because she couldn't see me. She knew something was there, but could smell you. Yeah, or she could smell me. But there was um, uh, not alders. Um, oh yeah, green alder uh, bush in between us, as well as uh, some aspens. And but there was enough gap. I was able to range her and go. Oh my gosh, twenty yards. Like my very first pin. Don't have to worry about it. <laughs> She's broadside, looking like directly at where I'm at. And so just slowly drew back and leaned back uh, a little bit so I could get to get through the gap and let it fly. And, you know, uh, that was something just to be able to do that and went right behind her shoulder, right where I wanted it, um, right mid body and she ran off. That was terrifying. <laughs> I was on the West End doing a hike with my girlfriend, and I get this, I shot the moose, I shot the moose, I shot the moose, but I don't know where she is. <laughs> well, I'll call you back. I'm used to, with a rifle, with them basically just dropping. Yeah. Right? Um, I haven't really had them run. And moose have, I guess, maybe not historically or anything, but like, I just you hear stories of, like, you know, you shoot a moose and it just doesn't go down. No, they're durable. Um, it's it, a lot of their, you know, like they have a giant chest cavity, and right, like that. So they don't really, they shrug off a lot of pain, they shrug off a lot of, of damage until their chest cavity fills up with blood and they can't breathe anymore. And I was freaking out, worried that that was actually what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. like, and she was just going to run and just go, 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 go. Because um, I've heard that, you know, like uh, they'll they'll go a long ways. So yeah, called Martin. 
the the gem of a guy he is. He drops everything, tells his girlfriend, uh, "I gotta go help him," <laughs> and then you know, drives from the west end of Edmonton all the way out here, um, and came and helped me. Uh, called another buddy as well, um, Noah Perkins. Uh, you can find him on Instagram too if you want to give him a, you know, a, a little bit of a plug here. Um, great guy came out and helped us uh, dress out the moose. Um, she didn't go 80 yards. Oh, geez. Like, uh, she, it seemed like... You thought she went 50, maybe. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say in the moment there, I was, I was a little bit more happy. Like, <laughs> it was about 80. Okay. Uh, just more realistic. She went about 80 yards, which is still more than I've ever seen another animal go. But she didn't even break out into the field. Luke's got good tracking skills too, right? Like, he's good on a blood trail. Oh, okay. Right? So it's I don't an important thing to learn is, like, make, you know, like pay attention to things that don't look like mm-hmm. they belong there like a, a bit of blood you take your time right don't rush yeah, it's correct. too bad that i think it was leopold they had their thermal oh the little uh they had a monocular. Thermal, a monocular thermal monocular that you could get for hunting that you could actually look and see the fresh bl- like you could look through the forest and see the fresh blood oh okay. is that only at nighttime or is it like... no it was thermal oh, like okay daytime nighttime but they discontinued it but that would have been a good piece of kit to get. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that would have been interesting, yeah. Yeah. But uh, it was it was really hard to find the start of that blood trail, though. Yeah. Uh, and so I just, I kept going. Uh, I I put uh, an arrow where I uh, shot her. And then I just kind of circled out until I found it. Um, and then once I was able to find it, um, I went back to the arrow, grabbed that, and I actually knocked it. Um, and I was walking following the blood trail. But that's, I guess, a thing with um, when you're archery hunting, you don't scare away the other animals. I drew back on a white tail. Oh, geez. <laughs> while I was following the blood trail until I kind of came to my senses and went, I think I've got bigger issues. Let's not, <laughs> <laughs> let's not put another uh, an animal on the ground. Um, if, you know, I'm still at that point. It was just like, it just kind of was instinctively like, oh my gosh, they're right there. They don't even know I'm there. Yeah. Just because I'm just going quietly, you know, not doing anything. Um, ended up, uh, finding her. She crashed into the alder bushes. Um, and yeah, like 80 yards called you again. You're on your way. Um, I think you stopped to grab some, uh, grab some, yeah, uh, just uh, some coffees yeah. and some, yeah, some, some burgers, some burgers from McDonald's. A little right? celebration. Yeah, for sure. No, yeah. just like, you know, cause I'm like, oh, how far into the bush is it? Right. Like yeah. brought my backpack, but thankfully it was only, well, she ran towards the edge of the the trees, right? Yeah, it was close to where we could drive in, so that made it a lot easier. Right? Okay, so how wasn't a bad pack out then? No. <laughs> what was no. it, like 200 yards? Oh. Uh, Not even? I don't know. It was compared to what we went through in our elk hunt this last year. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, that, that was nothing. That was yeah. like... Well, we, we had an extra extra set of hands, still, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was... So it's important was, to have good buddies that come help you out when you put an animal <laughs> down. People you can call on, because if you're out there by yourself doing it to 2 oh, o'clock in the morning... Moose too. Ooh. You mean it's not like on the YouTube videos where you solo 10 kilometers in, shoot an elk, and then solo back? I'm not <laughs> saying shooting you Shooting your 1,000-pound bull elk? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. going to be a couple days to get it out. It always looks good on YouTube. No, not so much in person. I don't know how much how good that meat would taste to... Uh, you know, do you do you remember how warm our sep- early September was? Oh yeah, that's a big challenge people don't often think about. Yeah, we had it at the butcher by ten o'clock. Uh, shot it at at 
We had, yeah, at 6. Shot it at 6. A.M. or P.M.? P.M. Okay, yep. Had it at the butcher by 10 p.m. Jeez, you guys worked quick. Yeah. Um, well, that, that's one of the things. Like, I worry about meat care, and thankfully... We're pretty fussy, yeah. both of us, actually, about meat care. Yeah. Um, like, fur, hair, like, yeah, yeah. keeping the, uh, off the grass. Do the right. gutless method, too, just to make sure yeah. that there's, you know, no chance of any bacteria or anything getting yeah. onto it. Mm-hmm. So, it, it's... Yeah, I was talking to a friend, and he's like, oh, buddy gave him some ground whatever it was, and he's like, you know, they're eating burgers or whatever, and he's like, what the hell is this? And he's pulling, like, fur uh. out of his mouth, and he's like, ah. Oh. he goes, so I d- don't want to ever have to, ex- like, that's why we like, That'll really turn take, someone off. take care of making sure that our meat is impeccable, right? Mm-hmm. And have a good butcher, too, that that will take care of your meat as well. Yeah. Do you guys still go to the you still go to the butcher, or I thought you did a lot of it on your own? We do do a lot of it on our own, but uh, we still get um, um, the butcher to do like garlic sausage and whatnot stuff yeah. that we haven't yet started doing ourselves. But I, I think with uh, the smoker that you've got, and we've got grinders, and you know you can get the attachments for it to to do that. Um, I'd as love to start trying to do it. Oh, okay, but as far as like the steaks and stuff go, you guys do that all yourself, or? For the most part, yeah. yeah. The, the moose was, like, I think you just wanted to get it. Yeah, I was I was just so worried. Because, like, the elk, we can, well, it's weird. We both live in apartments right now, so we just put it on the balcony, and it, it's frozen because it's yeah. the middle of November. You don't have to worry about, you know, trying to fit it in a freezer or hang it up somewhere. But September, when it was, like, 20 it was degrees. Tw- it was 20, 25. Oh, okay. Oh, so what day was it? What day did you shoot your moose on? Uh, it was the second... Sunday of September, so I want to say it was like the 13th. So early, yeah. That's the yeah. that's a big thing there. Like yeah. it was like it was so warm, like we're like sweating, like trying <laughs> to like work on this animal, right? And you're just like get get the meat off and hang in and yeah, just yeah. get it cooling down, cooling down, right? Okay. Yeah. So I always hear these stories of people like, yeah, we shot the animal and then you know we came back and got it the next day no we never found it the next day yeah. right they, they didn't they shot it and they ran away and they didn't even go look for it and because it was late last light and i'm like i, I don't know if i'd want to eat that no me neither especially like you don't know if the, the shot's good like right? if it's like a gut shot you don't want that sitting and overnight i'd feel bad like wasting it yeah right? but the issue with like that gut shot is when you shoot it with a bow yeah like there's there's not going to be any um <clears throat> hydraulic effect from the bullet right that um can like knock out organs too Mm -hmm. right um so it's just pure cutting so if you do a gut shot you have to let that animal like lie down and bleed out and die yeah right so you're not hitting it into the lungs you're not hitting into the heart you're not hitting it into like one of the big uh, ones if you hit it in the liver you know it'll bleed bleed enough and it'll die but it takes time so it's one of those things if you get it at last light and you don't have it go down well you're gonna have to wait till the next day and hope that it's cold enough overnight. Yeah, I guess there is gonna be a situation where that might happen. Hopefully, we can avoid that. But yeah. well, shit happens. Shot. Yeah. yeah. How much meat do you find you got off that cow moose versus a like cow elk? Like, pretty significant size difference, or would you say almost on par? I'd say it was on par. Yeah. But we that... were shocked at the difference in the size of the back straps. Yeah. Which one was elk bigger? Elk back straps were way bigger. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But to note, this cow moose was very young like oh, okay it, it was uh it still had some growing to do like it you know it was full grown um it was away from its mother you know it was by itself 
but it was a dry you, cow. You it can, was a dry cow. Yeah, but you can tell it was young as yeah. well. Like it was just, it was a lot smaller than you expected, at least for me. But uh, yeah, cow moose that was very young to like a, a mature dry cow elk was about the same, and it was kind of shocking because normally for a bull elk um, you'll get five, six hundred pounds of meat maybe um, if you take every single strap. Yeah, and that's like maybe. Uh, and you know, a bull moose, uh, what is it like? They can weigh up to 1800 pounds. That's a big, I don't know, in Alberta, maybe if you go up there to Alaska, so, but um, the guy we work with shot uh, one up by Grand Prairie, yep, and it was 900 pounds of meat. Holy shit, that's like that's that's like off the like that's what they took to the butcher to get made. Holy crap. Now, Martin, you're a big elk guy, right? I love elk. So, a mature cow elk versus, like, a younger cow moose, what do you think tastes better? You know what? Um, I will go for the elk 100% of the time. They both taste great. Yep. Right? And I told you a bit before about my bad experience right, with, with the <laughs> moose. And I was, like, here, you know, we were at, uh, we were grinding up, uh, we are cutting up the back straps and grinding up the rest of the meat that we didn't take to the butcher, right? And we uh, made some uh, burgers, just put the meat, put in a frying pan with a little bit of butter, salt, and pepper. And I was like, okay, this is pretty damn good. It was yeah. amazing, right? So it kind of changed my mind on the moose, right? But it has a different texture. Mm-hmm. It has a more mealy texture. But it's it, I, I'd put it as drier texture. Drier right? texture, like it's very, very lean, where the uh, elk is like butter. It is. It is like... Some of the like leaner cuts of the elk, when you cook it up properly in a frying pan, on and just salt and pepper and maybe a little bit of garlic butter, and then you eat it, it's like eating some of the best fillet you've ever had, and it can be like eye around. Damn, I know I've only had elk a handful of times. Like I haven't shot an elk as you guys all know, but uh, Martin, you gave me a little uh, roast there, so I'm waiting till the spring. I'm gonna throw that on the smoker. I'm gonna figure something out, but I'm looking forward to that. But I'm hoping this year, this year's gonna be my year to get an elk. But uh, Luke, you said you've done the Pepsi challenge, like side by side. And what's your experience with that? What animals did you guys have in that challenge? And uh, that was whitetail buck, uh, about probably a three and a half year old, uh, based on the antlers, uh, cow elk, and then the young cow moose. And the you know Pepsi challenge, I would probably take elk. Okay, oh, so you were able to tell the difference? Yeah, um, just based on the texture. It's, okay. it's less on the taste, like because uh, like that moose tastes phenomenal. Because uh, I've had moose before, this one that, you know, it's got more of that gamey flavor, um, maybe not to the extent that Martin has, where it's uh, <laughs> dirty swamp grass, but uh, um, it, it's, it's, it was fantastic. And it, apples to apples, they're very similar in taste. So my the guy I work with, I brought him elk backstrap steak yep. that I'd pre-cooked, and he heated up in the microwave, right, and it was just seasoned with salt and pepper and garlic butter. And he was eating it, and he said, you know, Martin, I don't know if I've had a better steak, right? And, you know, he's eating, you know, with travel and stuff, some of the highest high-end steak restaurants, you know, around, like, North America, right? Yeah. So that just tells you how good that meat can be, and it's 100% organic. Oh yeah. I was in a grocery store looking at uh, the cost of uh, of like elk elk steak at Safeway. Wait, you can get elk steak at Safeway? Yeah, there was like there was like a Safeway. They had elk steak there. I was shocked, and it was like 
forty dollars a pound or forty five dollars a pound. Yeah, it's criminal how much they charge for that. And the thing and it's farm. It's exactly there's a farm up in Mooresville. Yeah, and it, you might as well go buy beef. Same with like the buffalo or any like air quotations game animal you buy from the grocery store. It's it's going to be farmed, and it's not going to have that same taste. But which is why I recommend everybody get into hunting because you do get that high quality meat, and, and you get to build good friendships. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the struggles and the, the the ups and downs and you know just the adventure of it, you build a really good bond, right, uh, with your with your friend or your hunting partner or your hunting crew, right, and something you'll do and remember the rest of your life, right? Yeah, especially I can imagine uh, sheep hunting. I'm sure you've got some brutal times out there in the mountains. You know what? The, the this the last two elk were like this last elk. When we were humping it out at like 11 o'clock at night in the snow and my jacket was like so soaked with sweat was frozen and getting you know bluff charged by a cow bluff moose. charged by like i know it was a real big moose yeah. <laughs> they're growing big up there right but it was like you know having to hike it up i don't know how many meters you know do multiple trips down into the bush through the thick bush where there's no trail right get it put it in your backpack hike it up yeah right then hike it like three, four kilometers, and then up another hill to the truck, right down another basin and up. It was, it was like, we were just bagged after, right? <laughs> yeah. And of course it's cold and it's snowy and it's, yeah, you haven't eaten because yeah. you forgot to eat because you're panicking because you got to, you know, worry about. You got two big animals <laughs> You got down. two big animals down in the ground you're trying to process, right? So, yeah, it's, it's. How far was that pack out? It was not like a crazy far pack out, but it was 4K like, and then, okay. that's, that's still just, far though. That's just the total uh, distance that we probably would have hiked, but that doesn't take into account all the trips. For sure. And all the up and down too. Yeah. Like the elevation gained and lost and gained and lost, just getting it out was intense. Yeah. And then like saying, cause there was like on a trail, we had to go down to this deep gully and then up deep gully on the other side, right? So finally we drove my truck down closer, <laughs> but we were worried it would get stuck, right? Yeah. But we got there and that took an hour and a half off the job. Yeah. So what, that was in November again, you said? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So how did you, did it like freeze at all? Like, was there anything you guys had to do like from the opposite then of what you do in September to keep it from freezing? Well, we actually let it freeze. Okay. Um, there's no way, we're out there, we, we're not, there's no way you can't let it freeze. Yeah. No. And then what'd you guys do that night? You guys in grizzly bear country? You guys got to worry about anything like in that? In November, or? you don't think you have to worry as much, right? No, not for grizzlies, but there are definitely wolves out there. We've there seen there are wolves, right? But you know, the meat was safe, Yeah, right? We had it in the trucks uh, underneath the tunnel cover and whatnot. Um, felt pretty secure. You know, we didn't bring it into the tent or anything like that <laughs> to try and keep it from freezing. Um, yeah, we just uh, we had basically it. stumbled into the. We had a beer in the truck while the fire in the hot tent was going, yeah. and then <laughs> we stumbled into the tent. Had some like uh, elk uh, spaghetti sauce, yeah, or moose spaghetti sauce. No, no, that was it. Anyways, was we, it we had no, we ate that pasta. Had a shot of bourbon. Ooh, out. Yeah. So what t what time did you shoot the elk at, and what time were you guys hitting the hay at? We shot both of those elk at like eleven oh five, basically, yeah. like just five minutes after. And we got back to the tent at midnight? 11. No, 11 and we, by the time okay. we ate, it was like after midnight. No, it's like yeah. almost 12 hours of just working nonstop, yeah. crewing up, down, up, down. Yeah. yeah. The okay. year before, we, it was 36 hours. We went down 
we set up the tent. It was a brutal snowstorm in the drive all the way there. Got up in the morning, there was like this much snow. Went out, shot him, worked like crazy. Got back this time, we were a little closer to the trucks at nine o'clock and it was supposed to drop to minus 28. And I just looked at Luke and said, I don't want to stay here tonight. <laughs> so we packed up our tent, packed up everything and drove home and got home at like four o'clock in the morning in Edmonton. Yeah. So we're gone 36 hours. 36 miles, hours. Thousand kilometers. <laughs> and two elk. And two elk. Yeah. Just a quick weekend trip. Well, we, we had planned for, we had planned five for like five days, right? Yeah. So. With the option for a sixth, I think, because you potentially were going to take that extra day off. But yeah, so. But yeah, and we're happy with um, the meat and the, and I like to say, like everybody I've given some to is just like, this is the best meat I've ever had. Right? For sure. And processing it ourselves, you know, we know exactly what goes into it, right? Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of hunters have kind of a misgiving about handing off their precious meat to the butcher. <laughs> And then you never see how it's processed. Yeah. Right? So. Or even when. And it's expensive. It know, is. Right? For the cost of processing, you can go buy yourself, you know, a grinder. Well, that's pretty much what I did. Like, every year, like, first year, get, like, a vacuum sealer. Second year, you get a grinder. Third year, you get, like, a smoker. So, yeah, like, the money you're kind of not necessarily saving, but you're going to be buying yourself more gear rather than paying a butcher. You can just do it yourself. And it's kind of fun to learn, like, when you start getting into the animal and understanding what the different cuts are. Like you said before, when the first time you, you went into doing your own butchering, you're like, oh my God, where do I start? Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm sitting there cutting my bear up and I thankfully had cell reception, but I had YouTube on my phone like, showing me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Out there in the middle of the bush, a YouTube video. Yeah, I'm seeing how to butcher, a, like how to field dress a bear. I mean, I watched it beforehand, before going out there, but uh something i've never done before i was all by myself never had anyone teach me so that's kind of like how my very first uh first deer that i got yeah i had a printout <laughs> of how to how to gut the deer and of course trying to do that when it's you know like you're trying to hold a flashlight in your mouth you've got bloody hands and you're uh trying to do it because like i shot it right at uh, last light for my very first deer is yeah. kind of there yeah important to have good knives and a headlamp and a sharpener and a sharpener. Yeah. Make sure you get a sharpener because if you nick a bone, you get a dull knife. Oof. So I went this year to a replaceable blade. Oh, is it uh, the Havilon or no, it's Gerber? No, I can't remember. It's, it's the other one. It's not uh, Havilon. It's okay. Like Gerber. Yeah, the scar from that one uh, sealed yeah. up pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are sharp. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's amazing, right, how sharp it is, but it can really do some damage. It's right? like a surgical blade. Yeah, it's basically a scalpel, right? Yeah. So not good for everything like sometimes when you're you like, need a stiffer thicker blade right? like pry stuff like the ball pry joints and ball joints or something like that stuff like that yeah uh how was your your mule hunt how did that go was that a fairly easy hunt or was it challenging like were you hiking in there so the mule deer hunt this uh past season um i actually went with noah and his father because uh, we actually all uh worked together at the arena um with the city of edmonton and we've been friends for a number of years and wanted to hunt together and i got drawn for a mule deer doe tag and they actually took me out to their spot um they set me up in a spot and like before um dawn and said they should potentially be filtering through this area take your pick um unfortunately you know sun came up i was getting pretty cold because it was you know minus I don't know, minus 20-ish. And 
yeah, ended up uh, looking behind me and they're a ways away in the, in the trees. And so I started uh, just walking and just got close. Um, kind of uh, botched my, my first shot. Um, ended up gut shotting this, uh, this one deer and found her later on bedded down and um got her uh so that was that was one that i was freaking out on because i don't like injuring an animal and potentially not finding him um because she didn't really bleed mm -hmm. and trying to find her through all the other mule deer tracks was quite a pain because there was a lot out east um but yeah it was uh kind of one of those things where i didn't really have to think about it because they've been hunting there for years okay is this a uh chronic wasting disease area uh it was last year where it was mandatory this okay. year uh, it actually got lifted because uh, that zone didn't have uh, very many uh, that actually tested positive for oh, awesome. wasting disease. Um, this area actually is now the mandatory one okay um which is uh thankfully you know uh the moose and the uh the white tail that i got later on in the season came back they're clean so how does that pro i've actually never had to submit a head like how does that process go do you get the head back do they nope. No, no. Uh, so if they, if you do hunt and you get one with antlers that you want to keep, you better take. You, you either have to take the nodes and brain matter and brainstem matter uh, out and submit it separately, like in different baggies, um, or you just don't get the head back. Okay, gotcha. <clears throat> or if you want, if you're not doing like a European mount, you can just uh, like saw the skull uh, a bit, like uh, the way that you do anyways for like a. Uh, shoulder mount mm -hmm. where you don't actually use the head you just use the antlers and a little bit of the top of the skull um, and then you can submit the head but uh, it was actually quite easy um, especially since I'm uh, getting a little better with uh, skinning and butchering you know uh, deer elk and moose um, just to be able to identify the nodes in the the back of the head I was able to cut them out get into the brain stem and um, cut that out and then put them all into separate baggies um, and then you actually can go to the specified drop-off points um, and I actually went to the drop-off point at the Cabela's uh, on the south end of Edmonton they've just got a freezer there uh, you open up the freezer there's pencils and uh, forms you fill out your form you know let them know where you shot it when you shot it um, the species that kind of stuff and then uh, you put it all all your stuff into another bag with that just put it in the freezer. And, and how, how long did it take to get your results back? Uh, that took... Let's see, I shot that. In... It's like a COVID test. <laughs> About a month and a half. Okay, so like not too, was, too long. You know, it was a while. Um, luckily, you know, we had other things to eat yeah. in the meantime, um, if you're worried about it. Um, some people will still eat it. Some people will just chuck it. I, I know people that will just get rid of the entire thing they just don't want to have any part of it um and others that go well you know it doesn't jump to humans what's your stance would you did you eat it before you got your results back or did you wait for the oh, we results? had burgers oh, okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> we had burgers and sausage you had sausage made up yeah yeah um so yeah we, we started eating on it actually I, I, I was thinking about the deer not the moose um yeah we started eating the moose uh, first i waited on the deer yeah um but uh no, we, we ate it beforehand and kind of took that risk. I think risk. the likelihood of moose getting it so far is not, it hasn't, it hasn't been. I think there's been, what, three documented cases yeah, or four? Yeah, not too many moose cases, more deer, of course. Right? Yeah, for sure. 
And a few elk now starting to get it down south. Okay. So, but you guys were willing to take that risk, I guess. Yeah. Okay. And luckily it came up clean. For sure. And, um... Shit, what was I going to say here? Fuck, there's one more topic I want to cover there. Sheep hunting? Yeah, sheep hunting. Bring it to sheep hunting there, Martin. Okay. I know you've been wanting to talk, Luke. No, you've been no. hogging the mic. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> no, I'm just Quit kidding. asking me questions. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we, our... Uh, our friend, Luke, our friend, my friends, that uh, uh, when they harvested the sheep in 2019, and we were looking at it and talking to him about it, and, and uh, Luke was asking about like the meat and stuff like that, right? And uh, friend said, you know, it's hit and miss with sheep sometimes, right? Some people say it's the best meat, and he just basically said sometimes you'll get the meat and you'd cut off your left left hand to get another bite. And other times you like, ooh, no thanks, right? And I think sometimes it just, you said it depends on how how rutted out the animal is, right? That's a term when they've been in a rut and fighting like crazy and they're just <coughs> beat, are going nuts. They're beat up, right? Tastes like the moose that you had? <laughs> like tough and leathery. Oh, okay, right? yeah. Like just not good meat. But I, I, I'm willing to, you know, I want to I wanna give it a, I've had, I've had, a, uh, when um, uh, we shot the ewe, Right, you got a U tag for for sheep, and we were on the side of the mountain and kind of this little hovel, and we started up a fire because it was all snowy, and took the back straps out, and they're not, and wrapped them around a stick and roasted them right over the fire there while they were working on the on a sheep, and I tell you that was tasty. Oh, I bet. Yeah. So. But you personally, you haven't been successful with uh, with the sheep yet. No, I have not been. Um, like I said, I I just basically was going along for the hunt and and scouting and. You know, being there in case we needed to fill a backpack full of yeah. meat and, and horns. And, and then when I met you guys at the trailhead there in 2019, you guys were going, you were on your way out yeah. from a bighorn hunt, and you guys were not successful. And 2020, you guys said you were too busy. You had the elk tag, you had the moose tag, all that. But this year, well, you guys... The plan is to go. Yeah. yeah. You think you'll, like your freezer still going to be full from all the meat you guys had? Or you're just going to go for, for sheep anyway? You just want to get that sheep? It's a... It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an addictive hunt. Yeah. yeah like it's definitely not a meat hunt. Right. You, you know, like I've seen, you know, like after you harvest all the meat off and you're, you're on, you're not putting out a bone in quarter on a sheep, right? Yeah. You're deboning, you're deboning it on the side of the mountain because there's no way you want to hike up the bones. No. Right. So I've seen like big sheep, you know, 85 pounds of meat, hundred yeah. pounds of meat, right? Um, depend if some of us maybe, you know had been shot through or whatever you got to leave right but it's it is an addictive hunting once you do it i think either you're never want to go back for it again or it's like it's all you think about yep. yeah right so there's something about being in the mountains being up high you know and they're elusive and they got great eyesight they can see you so far away they can see the movement they know you're there right but on the other hand, nature gave them a disadvantage. They gave them this big white butt <laughs> that sticks out on the side of the mountain, right? Yeah. So. How, how far do you guys go in there when you're sheep hunting? I think the, you know, in, in that area, I think the furthest I've gone in is about 15 or 16 kilometers one way. Okay. Right? 
And then you're, you're obviously you're camping out there, or you're setting up shop, and you're doing like a spike camp. Or? Back, back in the day when I was younger and better shape, it was you day trip it. Yeah. You know, you might do thirty k a day. Right? And then just come back to the truck. And then come back and go to you know to where you're staying or whatever, right? Um, on opening day, if you were on something, you know, you you you'd stay overnight on the hill, right, to the next morning. So what are you doing now? Like, what's your? So now this time we've done a spike camp, right? We've set up a camp and then it's less work right mm -hmm. you don't have to walk so far right you can you know explore several different basins from your base camp and your spike camp right and come back to the spike yeah right? so, you know you, you shave off 8k of walking let's for say, sure 8 to, 8 to 10k of walking right? yeah so if you had to pick one animal to hunt for the rest of your life and you only pick one like what species would that be well, because the meat is so good, it's still going to have to be elk. Elk? Yeah. Yeah. And um, you, Luke? That's tough. Martin talks about how the sheep hunting is addictive, and I 100% believe him on that. But just the success rates are so low. Not that elk is easy to be successful for, um, but I'd probably have to go with elk. Elk uh, as well? Uh, just the, the meat is unreal. Like, it's... I keep getting, you know, uh, the ability to hunt these on these cow tags, um, and if I keep doing that, I don't think I'll ever get any antlers on my wall. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny, right? Because when you know we were elk hunting, and we came back the next day and we we're successful, and we were at like where we were camped, and it's open, right? And we call them the truck hunters, in and out on these roads, like looking down cut lines, looking for that elk. And they're not willing to put in the work, right? You got to get out of your truck sometimes. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's going to be any. You're going to find uh, when me and my girlfriend were whitetail hunting, same thing, up and down the range road that we we're trying to hunt in, yeah. and moose as well. Guys on quads bombing around. And you can't do that sheep hunting. Yeah, that's a very so good sheep point. hunting. You can't, you can't, you know, be bombing around on your truck on your truck, and hope that you're going to find a bighorn sheep that you're going to be able to roll up to and. You, you got to put on the boots, you got to get the heavy pack on, and you got to go, right? The truck hunters of sheep hunting is the, the horseback hunters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I wish I had, when they pass us, <laughs> oh. and you're grunting, and you got like your 50 or 60 pound pack, right? And they're like, <laughs> right? And they're walking by, and the guy's got like a coffee in one hand, right? And you're like, ah, oh, yeah. right? Or you're taking your boots off to walk across the river, and they're just putting across don't gotta do anything the one thing i'm gonna try and get this year for hunting season speaking to off topic for gears i saw it they're like they're like gaiters like waterproof gaiters that you just quickly slip over your whole leg up to your hips okay on each side and hook to your belt it's like a super lightweight thing or is it like a super a lightweight thing and it's just it's not even like it just it's like a, a sock the waterproof sock that goes over your leg and you can like take them on and off quickly and i saw that on one of the youtube videos i'm like I want those. Yeah. Beats There's nothing worse than having to like take your boots off, put your sandals off, wade across. And they were in big streams like past their knees. And I'm like, that's what I need. No, that would, especially when it's like serpentining and you got to cross the same river like 10, like 15 times. Yes. That'd be a game changer. So, um, you know, and the other thing about sheep hunting is, and you know, in 2019, I had some knee damage and, uh, you know, I also wasn't in, in shape. If you want to go sheep hunting, get on the get on the stairs, get on the 
treadmill, get on the step master. What was that thing you were doing? The Jacob's ladder? Jacob's ladder, uh, the like rolling stairs. Um, yeah, uh, I did 200 or more flights of stairs every single day uh, for about a year and uh, got in shape. Like it just did, it, it was that. Um, because buy bigger pants because actually my thighs actually got big so nice <laughs> but, I mean, that's the one thing if you're going to go sheep hunting it's like you, you like you said on your um previous podcasts about gear is like spend the more money up front yeah the good gear because you need to have the conditions at that time of season in the mountains can go from plus 25 like one year out there sweating and then, like, the next year, we're, like, in snow. snow on the top of a mountain, you know, bogged in, right? We can't see nothing. We, we don't even know. We had to follow our foot. It was, like, a clear, beautiful day. And then, all of a sudden, we had to follow our foot tracks off the south side of the mountain, right? Yeah. And freezing, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, that's, a, you know, not unheard of to wake up on August 25th, and there's, like, a foot of snow on the ground. For sure. So, you got to have, like, this gear that goes from sweating to freezing all in the same hunt yeah and then carry it all on your back carry it all on your back <laughs> right and then plan to pack out a, a very heavy Have set room of horns for, what 80 pounds of meat and then you know the the head as well yeah yeah so do you uh speaking on like the gear side there do you guys bring anything for like safety like do you have an in reach or a spot like a in reach in reach okay in-reach, yeah yeah very much uh, recommended it's a it's nice too because uh, it not only for um, like if there's an emergency, it allows you actually to send text messages back mm-hmm. to your to your family and say, "Hey, I'm here, bedded down for the night. Everything's good. Here's my location." Yeah, I've got one of those. Do you actually know? Can you go in reach to in reach? Like if I yes. had one, and you, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's not something I've ever done before, but there's no cost for that, right? But oh, really? Okay. I still carry bear spray, too, right? And, uh, no, and then the rifles, but <laughs> I mean, if you can avoid shooting it, but and, I mean, um, and you know, some of the things that uh, I've been seeing more and more people do is they've been setting up uh, when they're in bear country uh, electric, portable electric fences around their tent or camp. Yeah, and that's something that intrigues me too, right? I think you can get them, they're not very heavy, are they? Like, no. the battery is like the big thing that might weigh like four or five pounds, and it's like the wiring doesn't weigh much at all, but but uh. And there's so many areas in in uh, Alberta to go sheep hunting. I mean, Cadman by far is probably the one that everybody knows about the best, and everybody heard hears about the best because uh, it's somewhere where the world records because of the mine site that's there. So there's lots of really good grazing. You can't hunt the mine site, so these sheep know they're called. They, the term is mine sheep. Yeah. There's, and they're bigger because they just graze on this grass all day in the no hunting zone, and you know, the odd time a hunter will see one wander off the mine site. Yeah, you got... And he's got himself a mine ram, right? And and so, you know, some of the rams that are more wild are hard, way harder to find. Too, yeah. Right? So, and, and that's the other thing about going up to these very popular places is that sometime... What, what year were we there? We said we wouldn't go back on so opening many. day because people were tripping over themselves. The mine sheep? People were tripping over themselves. Yeah. Well, that's like, is it kind of like shooting a big six-point elk right outside of Canmore? Like right on like the Jasper border? Similar to that? No, it was, it was like, um, you know, the 
one of our buddies was up in a different area, similar in Cadman, and he said there must have been 16 or 17 hunters. In oh, the just same the amount area, of people that are there. Right? Yeah. And, you know, there's like guys up on that ridge and guys up on that ridge and guys camp down here and guys over there, right? So sometimes those high pressure areas on opening day, you know, the animals will get spooked out of there. And then if you're going there shortly after opening day, you might not see anything. Yeah, right? for sure. So it's, and they move fast. Like they move drainages faster than you can. Yeah, Way if you spook them, they're gone. Yeah, like they can be like four or five drainages over and you're not going to catch up to them. For sure. All right, guys. Well, I think we're coming up to about an hour here. I think we might have to make a part two. But uh, do you guys have any save, uh, last words here before we end it off? Um, you know what? Hunting is, is is a really excellent sport and an excellent way to get into nature. Because too many of us don't spend any time in nature. For sure. And it's also a great way to provide uh, for your family for great um, uh, meals and food. And it's also a great way to connect with your awesome hunting buddies and have memories that will last a lifetime. Those are some good words. Luke? I don't know how I can follow that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Martin's old and wise. He's got the wise he, words. He, he hit it all. Um, I got bad knees, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, just uh, once you get into it and you realize that you're part of, like, just this whole, not organization, but just a movement for conservation um, and that you are a kind of tool for it, to help control the populations that we've affected in so many different ways with the cities and it's just it's great to get out feel like you're part of a hunting community as well as just like martin said you know uh, you make lifelong friends uh, that uh, you would do just about anything for as well as uh, you know the meat like uh I've only got one set of antlers because I just I keep hunting for the meat and it's unreal how good it is when you can take care of it your own you know where your meat's coming from you know where your food's coming from it's kind of like the the idea of gardening right we grow it well we hunt it but uh, yeah other than that I think Martin kind of hit the nail right on the head just just one more thing I'd like to add is if you're starting out and it's a process right it's like you're gonna become a craftsman you're not gonna be good at it right out of the gate so don't get frustrated, be patient, do the, do the miles, do the work, do the research, and understand it. it's a process of time, and the longer you do it, the better you get. No, definitely, I appreciate that. And I think I spoke, uh, speak for both of these guys when I say, like, if you are a new hunter, or if you are looking to get into it, feel free to shoot me a message, uh, as I've said on all my podcasts, but Luke, probably the same way, like, you're, you guys are all open, like, super yeah. nice guys. I just met these two at the trailhead again, and now here we are sh shooting guns in, at the farm and hanging out. We'll probably so. post some interesting pictures on Instagram. <laughs> some stuff, right? Maybe some video. Yeah, a little bit of fun stuff. So, yeah, if you do meet hunters out there, they're probably good people. There definitely are some shitty hunters out there, but you'll definitely find some good ones too. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll have you on the next episode of Hunting with J-Bone. <laughs>